Are you looking to learn more about investing in the central Indiana real estate market? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast with TNH Realty, where we discuss all things related to investing in the central Indiana real estate market. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Indie Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Tallman with TNH Realty. We are a residential property management company that services the central Indiana market. With me today, making her podcast debut is our leasing manager, Kelsey Bolden. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. How long have you been with? You've been with us for over a year. You. 18 months range. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was talking about it the other day and like, it's, you know, in December, it'll be two years and I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> it's gone by so fast. Yeah. You've made major impacts in our company. Leasing department is operating as, you know, better than it ever has. So thought I'd bring you on to talk about something that's been on my mind lately is our investors being too greedy with rent rates. And what we mean by that is, you know, our investors expecting or maybe you'll tell us later, even demanding too much rent for their property. I think it's a really relevant topic because over the last several years, we've seen numbers, you know, rental rates that have went way up, days on market really low. But more recently, we've seen some numbers that we pulled out of, out of MIBOR, the Metropolitan Indianapolis Board of Realtors. We pull out numbers every month and then compile quarterly statistics that may indicate that investors are getting a little greedy. I don't like to use a negative term, but I think in, in you know, <laughs> but I think in some cases we're seeing people that are that are really pushing price points. And Kelsey, you're the perfect guest for this topic. You work with several dozen investors each month. You work with hundreds of investors over the course of a year when it's time to to list their property, new listing, vacancy, you know, put the house on the market. And then also when it kind comes time to renew that lease, you get involved. So you have a really keen insight, I'll say, into what investors are thinking about rental pricing and what some of those expectations and we'll say even demands they have surrounding those prices. So real quick, can you kind of give everyone, before we jump into these numbers too deep, Kelsey, tell everyone, what is your day-to-day -day here? What does is, what is your job look like as leasing manager with TNH? Yeah, of course. My role is very interesting because, you know, I work with our clients, but then I also have interaction with our tenants. So I kind of see it from both sides, but my role at TNH is leasing manager. So I oversee the entire leasing process. I work with our clients while their home is on the market. I oversee the application and move-in process. And then I'm also the point of contact for our clients during the entire renewal process. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. You've got a group of four people. Is that right? Yes. Underneath you? So it's, you know, with you, that's five and this plus, you know, some of the, our, our tenant facing people, or we call them the assistant property managers do get involved with some right. renewals. Leasing is a huge part. It's a huge part of what we do. We devote a lot of resources to it. So, mm -hmm. all right. So let's, let's get into some of these numbers. And these are numbers that again, we pulled from my board second quarter. So this is the second quarter of 2023. And there's a couple of really interesting data points that kind of lit the fire for me to talk about right. what we're talking about today. And that is, and this is not necessarily a big surprise, not necessarily news necessarily, but in quarter two, we saw again, Indianapolis set an all-time high 
for rent rates of $1,474. So we're knocking on that $1,500 average rent per month per property. Again, that's not huge news. We've seen records broken basically every quarter for the last many quarters. I don't know off the top of my head, but we've been seeing rent rates go up steadily for several years now. But what I saw on the back of that, or in conjunction with that rather, is that days on market is also at an all-time high. In quarter one this year, we saw 55 was the average days on market, which is crazy high. And then it didn't get much better in quarter two, where typically you see days on market really drop in quarters two and three. It just went down to 54. Those are the highest days on market we've seen in seven years. Right. So that's a that's those are those are big numbers and numbers that I think are worth discussing. So I'm not I'm not an economist, but I do think there's something that's generally accepted. And, and maybe it'll make more sense if we look at this from a sales perspective. So a lot of investors listen to this show. So I'm asking the listeners to kind of think about this. If you're gonna sell your own home and your motivation is high, let's say you're moving. Let's say, you know, you're going through a divorce maybe, but you have to sell this property. You need to sell it quickly. You're going to get with your real estate agent and you're going to probably come up with a price that's either right at market value or slightly below market value because it makes sense. If you price it very, very competitively, then you're going to, your chances of selling it quickly go up, right? I mean, it's just a simple motivation thing. But on the other hand, and this does happen on time to time with personal residences, you may have some low motivation. You may say, look, I'm going to put it on the market. I don't have to move right away. I'm building a house. You know, if I get a great offer, I'll find a different place to live, whatever. So in that case, you may decide you want to, you know, test the waters. You may put it on above market value. And we saw a lot of this happening over the last few years where people would put it on above market value, even though they they may have been motivated and the house sold very quickly. That's changed. But I think it, you know, it, it comes down to motive to motivation. So when I see rental prices at all times highs, and I see days on market all time highs. My biggest takeaway is that investors are being stubborn and holding out for high rent rates. They've been told, they've been, they've read about, it's all around us that rent rates are going up. So that's like, well, I rented this home for $1,200 last year. Rent rates have gone way up. I should be able to get significantly more this year. But what's happening is, is in the process of holding out and going for these home run rent rates is that they're increasing vacancy. And so in the end, they're likely losing more money, even though they're getting a higher rent rate, because vacancy, as we know, is a very expensive thing. So let's take it back right again to the, to these investors. It's hard for me to envision, unlike a seller of a primary residence, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where investors shouldn't be really highly motivated to rent a property. Because I just mentioned vacancy is expensive. We've called it the cash flow killer because it is. And in my mind, investors should have a very high degree of motivation when renting a property. That's my opinion. That's my experience. And that's certainly how Scott and I have looked at our rental properties is that we don't want vacancies. If we do have vacancies, or I shouldn't say when we have vacancies, we, we always have a vacancy at some point going on at any time of the year. You know, we want to get that home rented. We want fair market value, but we also want it to get leased quickly too. And we don't want to be that stubborn landlord 
that Kelsey, you're kind of, you know, knocking on saying, Hey, this property's yeah. not running, you know, how do we want to do? So let's bring it back to you, Kelsey. You, you talk to a lot of investors, as I mentioned before, can you walk me through a couple of scenarios and conversations that you have with investors during a leasing process, good and bad? Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about the bad first before we get to the good. We had a client recently, they were, I believe, a first-time investor, and we let them know when their home went to market. We pulled the, the CMA comparative market analysis, and we said, hey, your home is worth this amount. They ended up wanting us to put it on the market for about $200 more than what the CMA called for. And of course, we understand everyone wants to maximize their profits, but it is our part to educate and say, hey, this probably isn't a good idea, but you know, we ended up doing it. And the home took a very long time to even gain interest. And then when it finally did, we actually had an agent reach out. They had a client who was interested in the rental and they said, hey, we're very interested in this rental, but we would like to lease it for, and then it gave us a number that was about $100 less than what it was on the market for. So I talked with our client and I said, hey, I think you know this would be a good offer. Are you wanting to move forward? They said, no, they wanted it a little bit closer to the price that we had it on the market for. So I went back to the agent. I said, unfortunately, we're not able to offer a rental at that price right now. And then the home sat on the market again for about another 30 days. We did a couple of gradual price drops and we ended up leasing it, but we leased it for closer to the price that that agent and their client had offered to us. So had we just gone with that offer, we would have reduced vacancy cost and we would have got it rented a lot quicker. You know, that was an unfortunate situation. By the end of it, of course, we're all celebrating that that home was off the market, but right. it did sit there for for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that that unfortunately happens. And I think you mentioned that it was a new investor. And again, I think that's one of those things. And we get people that come into our system from all kinds of different backgrounds. So they could come, you know, they just search Indianapolis property management, they search investing in Indianapolis, whatever. And they come to us and then, you know, we, we kind of put our arms around them and, and educate them about, all right, here's the properties okay. that we can help you buy. Here's the average rent rates, things like that. But we also get people that come from, you know, a lot of other different agents, some of which may be very well in tune with the rental market when they're helping them buy this property. Others may not. So if they buy a property and they say, look, I'm expecting this amount of rent, and then they come to us and we say, well, it's not going to be that. Or in some cases, most cases it is. It's like, yeah, actually it's maybe went up a little more since you bought it or, you know, since you were first looking at this. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's not that, that becomes a problem, right? And the friction right. starts and it's like, well, I need $1,200 a month in rent. And we're like, well, we're sorry, it's closer to a thousand. Right. And then they wait and they wait and then the property gets stale and things like that. Generally speaking though, what are you seeing with investors, you know, do you get a lot of that or are investors, do you see a lot of stubborn landlords? What's your general experience on a day-to-day -day basis? I think on a day-to-day -day, people hire us because we're the educated ones and we want to rent their properties. So for the most part, we have a lot of investors who do listen to us and, and listen to our feedback. You know, for example, we have one client who's a very experienced investor. He has properties, not just in Indiana, but throughout and every time I list one of this particular client's homes, I know it's going to lease very quickly. It's always priced very close to the CMA. Sometimes, depending on the season, we'll push it a little bit higher. 
during those busier times. And mm. it gives us a little bit of wiggle room right there, but it's, it's always on point. They always listen to our feedback and their homes never sit on the market for very long. So I think it's important, you know, with those clients who are very experienced, they know the process and they listen to us and they have much less vacancy costs because of that. Right. And you mentioned those vacancy costs and some of them are obvious, you know, I'm not getting rent. Right. right. So <laughs> if you have a $1,200 rental and it takes three months to rent, that's $3,600. You know, they have utility expenses that hit every month when that property is vacant. They have like this time of year, lawn care, you know, weekly. And in the cold seasons, they may have snow removal. But there's also other things to think about here is that properties that sit vacant are vulnerable. Right. Right. And we hear it. We have enough properties under management now that we hear about break-ins that for vacant properties. All right. That's they're they're the most vulnerable. Some of them are minor. Some was like, hey, had a couple of teenagers in here and it just needs to be a quick cleaning and we're all good to go. Others are are catastrophic. You know, a lot of things, mechanicals are stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so vacancies are, you know, they, they, they open investors up for a lot of potentially bad things. And so that vacancy in one or two months and a few X amount of dollars all of a sudden goes up incrementally because of the time and money it takes to replace all the mechanicals, for example. So again, I can't imagine a good scenario where investors should not be very motivated to get their property rented and holding out for $25 more a month or $50 more a month just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So Kelsey, let's start kind of at the beginning, if you would, and tell everyone your process when you're pricing new listings, meaning we, we consider new listings to be the properties vacant. Right. Right. So it's either new into our system or a tenant moved out and it's made ready, but it's a new listing. Tell everyone about your process when you're going to put a home on the market as a new listing. Yeah. So the first step is to pull a CMA, which is a comparative market analysis. And we look at data from the last year when we pull a CMA. And what that gives us is the homes that are currently on the market for lease. And it also gives us the homes that have been leased within the last 12 months. So we look at that to determine a general price, but then we factor in what's the condition of the home? What's the location? So there are several things that we do look at when we're doing those pricings. And we like to see, have there been any upgrades? Are there any amenities to this home? So all of those things will factor into pricing a new listing. But another thing that's very important too is the time of year. So if we're pulling a CMA in our busier season, which we consider around March through August, we're generally going to price that a little bit higher than what we'll price it from the September through February timeframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, that's important. Now we do lease homes throughout the entire year, but we do have those slower periods. So we want to price more aggressively during what we consider slower times. But we look at the data from the last year, we look at the condition and we look at the location. Right. And then I think the process is, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but that just goes to the owner saying your home's on the market at this rate. Yeah. Most, and, and tell, tell us the experience you get there, like pushback, adjustments, that, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, right. 
So we will put the home on wait list. And what that looks like is we advertise the property prior to it being available for showings and applications. When our client gets that waitlist email, it includes the CMA that I've pulled and it has some general information on it, but it also has their listing so that they can view it and, and see what we have advertised. It's a really great time for us to make any of those adjustments if the client you know, would like us to do that. I wouldn't say that we get a whole lot of pushback, but in the cases that we talked about earlier, sometimes there is that pushback there. But once we put that home on waitlist, that's when they get all of the information. And then it's after that is when we can make those adjustments before the home goes on the market. Yeah, it's it's best to do that. I think you're right. Like when the home isn't officially listed, it's in that waitlist coming soon mode. It's easy to make changes there. It's not so easy to make changes when the home is officially on the market. And let's say you come in at 1500 and then the owner three or four days later says, Hey, let's go to 1800. Yeah. Right. That, that becomes happens. more, yeah, <laughs> that becomes more problematic. And it's interesting because I just had this conversation with a client recently, and this was more, this is actually involved with selling their home, but talk about some of the fallout we see with, so vacancies one, but, but pricing a property too high. Okay. So, and again, vacancy is one of those negative fallouts, but you and I talked about another negative fallout recently that I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. I wanted you to kind of expand on. Yeah. So one pattern that we see when a home is priced too high is that the candidates, the applicant candidates that we receive are not the best quality. You know, people that have higher credit typically have more options, right. but we will see that applicants with, you know, lower credit or not the best history tend to pay for those higher priced options because that's the option that's available to them. Right. And, th and that's what we want to avoid. Of course, we have the same screening process for all of our applicants, but you know, you do tend to see the activity of less qualified candidates for homes that are priced too high, which then causes those issues during residency of late payment history and, you know, issues like that. Right. So the investor thinks, wow, I got this awesome rent, but they probably in some cases didn't get an awesome tenant. Right. Correct. And I think that's interesting because, you know, if you put yourself in the mind of someone that's really qualified, right. You, you, again, like you mentioned, you have a lot of options. So right. you're going to look at the property, you're going to find the location you want, but if something is just like kind of an outlier, you're not going to waste your time with it. Cause you don't have to, cause you know, you can be approved for basically any property you apply for. Right. As right. long as you don't, you know, stay, stay in your lane, so to speak. <laughs> right. But if you're not qualified, if you've been turned down a couple of times, you're going to be more motivated. And so you may have to pay a higher rent rate. And as a result, you may start applying to these properties that are just sitting on the market because they're overpriced. So it makes total sense. And we see it, right? I mean, we, we do see yeah. that. All the time. Yeah. Okay. So that's how we kind of go about pricing new listings. We want to get fair market value, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing. We look at the CMA, the comparative market analysis, and we go with that number. Talk about then pricing a property at renewal and what you do when you go through that process again. Yeah, of course. So we start the process the same. We will pull a CMA typically about 90 days before the lease expires. And then we will send that to our client and we'll say, hey, this is the, the CMA for your home. 
this is what your current resident is paying. This is the price that we suggest. And then we contact our client first and then agree upon a price before we send that over to the resident. It's interesting because prior to this year, we were seeing huge rent increases during the renewal process. And now over the last year, we really have seen a slowdown in that. So I think when we're sending the renewal CMAs and pricing the homes, our clients are still wanting to get those higher rent increases that they were receiving over the last couple of years, but that's not happening. Our renters, not just our renters, but renters in general are becoming much more educated about the rental market. And they know that vacancy costs landlords. So they'll come back to us after we send that price and they'll say, well, we want to negotiate. We can go down the street and negotiate a rate at a different property. And there's just so many resources available out there for residents along with landlords, but they're just becoming more and more aware of the rental market. Right. Yeah. I think renewals is kind of, I think there's some really interesting things to pull out of that. I, and I don't have the number off the top of my head. We measured every month, but I think we pick up, I think about 60% of the properties that we pick up for management are occupied. Yeah. Okay. So that means they're coming from a different management company. They're coming from what we call our self-managers that they're like, Hey, I just don't want to manage this property anymore. And in some cases we see rent rates that are way below market value. You know, I think not to be disparaging, but it's kind of lazy landlording, right? It's like, yeah, I don't want to raise the rent. I just want to keep it occupied. I get that. <laughs> I totally understand that as an investor, that it makes sense to keep the property occupied. But I also think that that tenants generally know that rents rise historically and in, even more so in the last several years and that their wages have probably risen with that. And maybe not the same rate, but their, their wages, right. wages have risen and that they expect some rent increases. Where we come into, I'll call it danger, maybe a little bit, not danger, but concern is when we, let's say we inherit a, a lease and you know it's not just in Indiana, but across the country. If an investor buys a property and there's a lease in effect, the investor is required to live through the terms of that lease. Okay. Now they can negotiate anything that can say, Hey, I want, I want to buy you out of your lease. I want you to, to vacate and I'll pay you to move, whatever. But generally speaking, when an investor buys a property, they're going to have to deal with, with the rent rate and terms and all that good stuff. Right. So when it comes time, when it comes time for renewal and you go through this, I'm sure Kelsey, even today, even though rents have you know, aren't rising like they were where you run a CMA and let's say it's a $1,500 rental and you look at the current lease and it's, it's a thousand, mm-hmm. right? Talk about what do you do there? Right. Cause you're yeah. looking in that case, you're talking 50% increase of rents, right? Talk about your strategy and, and how we go about that. Yeah, so we will still send the CMA to our clients so they can see, hey, this is what the market value is for your home. Our goal is to secure a lease for them, but we also want to be fair for the resident as well. So what we've put into our process is generally we're going to recommend a rate that's no more than a 10% increase from what they're already paying. And 10% is a 
that's a great increase. You know, I think averages are around that 5% rate. So if it's well below market, the maximum that we're going to recommend is that 10% increase. So they get the increase as the investor and then, you know, the tenant isn't pushed out of their home. Right. And I think, you know, some, some people may be going, well, that's doesn't seem client focused. I'll say it from this perspective. If we were to go to that resident and say, all right, it's 1500 now, they're going to move probably. Right. I mean, I, I would think they should move, I think, because the reality is they probably can't afford that. Right. Right. So you're literally setting the stage for failure yeah. because it's like, you know, if, if you think about your own rent or your own mortgage payment, people out there, if all of a sudden it went up 50%, the foreclosure rate around the country would be very high, I would think. <laughs> um, right. So you don't want to automatically just set that resident up for failure. So we've had landlords that we've, you know, or investors that we've taken on, maybe, you know, they can bring us a property and they go, Hey, look, these rents are way under market. And we look at it and go, yeah, they're way, way under market. That does, it happens pretty often to us. Mm-hmm. Then in those cases, it's, it's probably best practice to go ahead and give notice to the resident to say, look, we're going to be asking for a lot more. Maybe there needs to be work that needs to be done to the property and give residents. It'll create a better outcome for everybody probably instead of just trying to hit a moonshot and going way high with the rent. And then again, setting that resident up for failure. I think it's interesting. I, I kind of like that 10% rule because I think it, it makes sense for the resident. Right. It makes sense for the owner. It's, it's a big rent increase. But again, it's all about expectations when they buy the property because they could come into it saying, I bought a $600 a month rental. I know the market value is $1,500. That's a huge exaggeration, a, a huge spread there. But I think it, ha- mm-hmm. it has happened with us where we've just seen really, really large discrepancies on that rent. Again, I think it comes down to someone was being a lazy landlord. Yeah. You know, someone wasn't keeping up with the market value of the property in terms of the rent. Again, you don't always have to be right at or above market value. It just makes sense to be around market value to where your property's performing. Because look, we know investors have taxes they have to pay. They have insurance that Mm -hmm. goes up. All the costs go up all the time for investors and we get that. So rent has to go along with it. Any other stories or, or, you know, hints that you have or battles that you have to face at renewal that you, that you want to go through? You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I, I think it's important for everyone to understand that, again, renters are becoming more educated and there is movements all around on social media or just, you know, within the government that is creating more rights for renters. And and we're not saying that's a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of us are in this industry because we want to help people, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, we do kind of have that social obligation to help people find housing, but with these higher increases, people are pushing back all the time. So we have, once we send that renewal offer, we have several people that come back and ask to negotiate or ask for improvements in their home because they know that they have that right in some cases to ask that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you open up a whole topic that we could probably have one or two or three more podcasts on. And I attended the national conference. Gosh, when was it? April? I don't remember. I shouldn't remember that. I think it was in April in San Diego. 
and it's the NARPM, the National Association of Residential Property Managers. And this whole idea of housing as a right is making more and more headlines. I just saw it this last week, you know, housing as a right. It came through a NARPM newsletter mm-hmm. I was reading. And when you see an industry like ours, housing just generally increase in pricing so much and the affordability factor becomes a major concern, then government will naturally shift eyes to it and look at, you know, putting constraints on it. We've talked about this before. Indiana is a very, very pro-landlord state. There may be some Indiana investors out there rolling their eyes and not agreeing with me, but if you look at it in comparison to other states in the country, we are a very, very pro-landlord state. There's hardly been any legislation at all that has come around and knocked back landlord rights or given more tenant rights. Uh, But again, I think it's one of those things that we have to keep an eye on this. I think it's great that landlords have enjoyed that nice run of, of nice steady rent increases. At the same time, they've not enjoyed a nice steady run of price increases for labor, for material to get these mm-hmm. homes rent ready. So it's kind of worked in unison in some ways that way. But it seems like, you know, and probably it's a good thing that prices have kind of normalized. Yeah. But that's where I think brought this up. I still think we're seeing a lag in investors recognizing that prices have now normalized and keep wanting to see those big increases. Yeah, we are. And that kind of to circle back around to the question, I recently, we actually had a client who we recommended a rent increase at renewal, but it was smaller than what they were anticipating. So they said, I would like to increase it. It was several hundred dollars. They wanted us to increase that rent amount. And so, you know, we did. And a resident came back and they said, we're going to put in notice. And in order to avoid those vacancy costs, we ended up going back and forth between the client and the renter. And it just created a really bad experience, but they ended up reducing that rent increase substantially to keep the tenant. But had they just initially offered a more reasonable increase, it probably wouldn't have created that bad experience. And now, you know, yes, that resident is renewing, but looking towards the future, they probably won't renew again on the next go around. Mm -hmm. They're probably going to start their search right after this renewal period and be more prepared for a move next time because they, they know, okay, I was offered this very high rent increase. This time I was able to negotiate it. Next time I probably won't. So I'm not going to stay here. It could be. I mean, you, you, again, that's one of our jobs we have is to create that great resident experience. So right. they just keep wanting to renew. You know, look, we know people move. There's reasons people move. Most of the time, it's not anything that we did. It was just, it's just lifestyle change, changing, you know, changing yeah. cities, changing job, whatever. Or they bought um, a house. They bought a house, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a fine line that we want to walk. We always got to look at things and we always do looking at things through our investor's perspective. But sometimes you know, the investor, they may not have a lot of clarity on what that is. And because it's important again, to not to always maximize your rent rate, but to keep the property occupied. So it's again, it's a fine line to walk and sometimes it it can be tricky. So yeah, definitely. Well, Kelsey, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, we hope everyone's picked up some information that'll help them in their investing. We'll be back next month with another podcast. In the meantime, we encourage you to share this podcast with your investing friends, leave us a review, and please don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions. Until next time, thank you so much for listening, and please stay invested in your investment.